0: Welcome back to the Price of well Podcast. Today for episode 108, we have Preston and Jacob from Arla International. Uh, today we're gonna be talking about all sorts of whey protein discussions. It is July. T- oh, sorry, it's August. Wow, this year is going quickly. It's August 22nd Uh, <clears throat> thanks so much, everyone, for joining. Uh, I want to say Preston, Jacob, thank you guys for jumping on. I'm really excited to talk about something that we already talk about every single day, but go like way deeper today. So, um, Preston, I think probably first thing that we can do is give a little bit of an introduction to who Arla International is and get talking about what you guys do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Arla Foods Ingredients, and first off, actually who I am. So my name is Preston Mosey. I am a member of the North America sales team here with Arla Foods Ingredients. Um, I'm stationed out of my home office, but I cover the eastern portion of North America on what we consider healthy performance, but what everyone else considers sports nutrition. Um, and I'm joined by Jacob. Jacob, if you want to do a quick introduction as well.
2: Sure. Thanks, Preston. My name is Jacob Peterson. Uh, I'm the general manager for North America. I've been with Arla for many years, but generally I'm just a whey protein nerd after all those years working with whey proteins.
1: And so, yeah, who we are, Our Foods Ingredients, we are a, we actually are the largest whey protein supplier globally, uh, headquartered out of Denmark, Our Denmark, and we are a subsidiary, and I can actually let Jacob kind of touch on the, the more meat and potatoes of this, but our mother company, Arla Foods, is one of the third largest global dairies, which is a dairy co-op owned by Dairy Farmers, where we get our milk. So, Jacob, do you want to jump into kind of the the grit on who Arla Foods Ingredients is from a structure standpoint?
2: Yeah, sure. You know, uh, long story short, uh, Arla Foods is uh, one of the five largest dairies in the world. It's a co-op, as Preston mentioned. That's a pretty unique structure, farmer-owned, based in Scandinavia. We have a global manufacturing footprint. Uh, as you as you might be aware, Way was uh, was sort of valorized for the first time in the 1970s uh, uh, 70s and upwards, and uh, you know, upcycled from something that was just uh, thrown out of the field or used for animal feed. Suddenly we found out that, hey, it has uh, a certain nutritional value. It's full of essential amino acids and the rest is basically history. So throughout all those years, Arla Foods in particular has been investing a lot into, you could say, a more academic approach and collaborations with universities. We've done clinical trials. We're always trying to push the boundaries on what we can do. Continue to do that. So basically, we are fractionating out way into many different streams, cherry picking individual proteins, carbohydrates, fats. So today, uh, we have a, a, a very uh, scientific approach to way actually always trying to, to bring new uh, solutions to the dairy industry, to the nutritional industry, even medical nutrition, infant nutrition, sports nutrition. So, um, that's basically uh, the bread of butter of AFI and where we are today, a very large player in the, in the whey protein industry.
0: Awesome. So, uh, maybe we want to start at like, kind of like where our foods started. I mean, obviously you said like 1970s is where we started to see whey protein have, uh, some benefits for humans. Um, but you know, kind of discussing before the call this, I think this might be obvious to some people, but not to everyone. Sports nutrition isn't the only or the biggest place that whey protein is used. There's obviously in infant formulas, um, and and obviously also just health for older folk as well. Um, sports nutrition isn't the only thing that Arla does, correct?
2: That's right, Ben. So so whey proteins is used in a lot of food applications around the world. Um, it has, you could say, two major uses. Actually, either it's used for its nutritional. Uh, benefits per se, where it comes with all the different goodies. It's amino acids, specific proteins, uh, carbohydrates, etc. And then it's also used for functionality purpose. And I think that's actually where it started. So because whey can bind water, it can be heat treated, it can unfold, it can give texture. It can do a lot of things in yogurt, cheese, uh, chocolates and so on. So you could say it's a functional food and it's a nutritional food too. Um, I would say maybe 50% of whey goes into sports nutrition on a global basis. And then maybe 25% is infant nutrition because all infant formulas around the world have whey included because there's more whey in human breast milk than cow's milk. Therefore, all infant formulas include whey. So a significant portion of whey goes into infant nutrition total foods. And then you have the rest, which is uh, uh, clinical nutrition, Uh, food application, texture, etc. So you could say as a whole, sports nutrition is a big category, right, for whey proteins. And it's also a category where there's a lot of innovation going on because this market is more, you could say, fast moving, more agile uh, compared to infant nutrition, which is basically a medical food. So any innovation within infant nutrition takes a long time from idea until it hits the market. Uh, there's, uh, you know, on nutrition is is more fast moving and and uh, yeah, a fun fun part of it for sure. That's awesome. So when we start talking about whey protein, I think a lot of like the general consumers
3: kind of view it as almost a commodity at this point. A lot of whey is more or less the same to them. And the deeper we get into stuff, we realize like that's not even close to the truth. There's many different grades of it, and then beyond that, there's different sources, different types of cheese, different. I assume it even goes back to like as far back as like the types of cows even bred or whatever. So how how intense does Arlie get from the the source? Like if we were to start with with the cows, like do you get involved in that part or where do you pick up
2: on the uh where where does yeah your dairy operation begin? Right. Uh, So 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 uh, you know on your comment on on the commodity, it's true that that you could say whey is to some degree a commodity for some applications, right? And as a consumer, if you take a product and you look at the, uh, you know, what's inside it, you'll often meet the word whey protein con- concentrate or whey protein isolate. The difference being the purity of the whey. And there you could actually say, if you look at whey protein concentrates from any manufacturer or whey protein isolate from any manufacturer, in general, the composition is pretty hardwired. It basically means the distribution of individual whey proteins is... Sort of similar, right? Dependent on the cows, the cheese process, etc. Um, and and that's because whey is just not one protein. It's a soup of different cows' milk proteins. Even if we talk casein, it's another uh, cohort of proteins, right? And they are in that soup of proteins with a certain abundance each individual whey protein. So that's pretty hardwired. But what we've been doing in AFI is to uh, modify that by using sophisticated fractionation. But we're also uh, actually altering, you could say, the the chemical makeup and and the heat stability, many different kind of things, the pH regime, etc., on that you know composition. Um, and that is fractionation and membrane filtration we use for that. But if you start with the cow and you produce cheese. And you get a liquid soup of uh, whey proteins that you take into a, uh, a factory, then you take away the water, you get carbohydrates going one way, you have whey proteins going the other way in a, in a filtration process. But say per se, the, the composition is pretty hardwired. And that is WPC, or whey protein concentrate. But then all the fun stuff starts after that if you want to make more value-added products that have additional nutritional benefits and give you know, wild applications and clear protein powders or ready-to-drink uh, 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 solutions where you cannot taste the protein, et cetera, et cetera. There we need to move away from the commodities to, uh, you know, allow for these applications to hit the market.
1: And to further on that, um, you also asked about the, the type of cheese, et cetera. And one thing that Arla Woods Ingredients does a little different, being that we go all the way back to the cows themselves, the cheese process and the ingredient side, is consistency among the source of the whey. So it's gonna be done from a white cheese. So whereas for those of you that have tried different proteins in the market, sometimes you have a yellowish hue to it. Sometimes you have a weird smell, a weird aftertaste. The nice thing about our whey is coming from a consistent source, for, uh, for example, Havarti, which is a white cheese, you're getting similarities on every batch, every single time. And because we do so much business in the infant space, Our standards are very, very set. We have very good parameters around that. So when it comes to specifications, you're getting consistent product from batch to batch. So you're not going to have a a WPI 90 one time and then just happen to have maybe a WPI 85 another time. You're getting them set within a minimum maximum of what is in our eyes
0: approved to meet that specification. So can we, um, just for consumers at home, that are not dairy experts, uh, but by the end of this, they hopefully will be. Um, can we quickly kind of, I know that you guys have a lot of different SKUs, but to kind of just give an idea of all of the different types of protein you guys produce, could we get like kind of major categories? Like I know you have probably uh, a very different percentages of concentrates. WPI 90 is gonna be mostly all, all 90, but you also have a few clear ways now. So can we get like an idea of the different kinds of ways that you guys sell frequently?
1: Yeah, I, I could jump in on this one, Jacob. So when it comes to whey protein concentrate, um, just kind of the basic, what you see most commonly in products, we have a, a couple different options. Probably the two most popular is a whey protein concentrate 70 or a whey fat concentrate. Um, that is going to be 70% protein, but it still has some of those fat membrane and lipids still intact. So great from a just overall mouthfeel, a little bit more calorie dense. Um, very good on a keto option. And then whey protein concentrate 80. So obviously that's uh, you're, you're not providing whey protein if you don't have WPC-80. And then as you mentioned, also whey protein isolate, which again is a, another very popular in the sports nutrition side, but you touched on clear protein. So those would fall in the whey protein isolate category. So WPN-90, but different functionality. So this is something that we at AFI really specialize in bringing new innovations, new R&D, new concepts, what we consider a value added space to bring new and unique offerings to brands, to bring to consumers. Um, so on the topic of Clear, yeah, that that's one that uh, you see a little bit here in North America. Um, we have a, a specialized ingredient that you, you hopefully will see in the future called Iso Water Shake that uh, it really is mind-blowing when you drink it. It drinks just like water, flavored water. Um, and then from there, we go up to a whey protein hydrolysate. So more of a specialized, pre-digested, if you will, where it uses enzymes to cut those down into smaller peptides for quick absorption, um, better recovery. If you're, you're in the medical field, easier digestion on the, the stomachs and the digestive tract. So those are kind of the main areas that, that we have. WPH, WPI, whether it's clear or instantized, and then whey protein concentrate. In um, all of those applications, we have offerings that can be standard powder shakes we focus a lot on beverages a lot of very cool unique offerings in the beverage space and then also for protein bars and foods
2: mm-hmm. and you, then maybe if I, were, if I were to add a bit there yeah. Pastor, because that's uh, that's a good review of our offerings uh, i would say besides the whey protein isolates and the whey protein hydrolysates which are two categories with many products under we have something called fractions So that is a category where we, you could say, isolate a single protein out of that soup of whey protein we talked about. So there we can sort of, with sophisticated fractionation techniques, cherry pick a protein and enrich it uh, beyond what's actually, you know, the composition in regular way. And there we have beta lactoglobulin as a very novel uh, prospect, uh, you know, in terms of of, uh, bringing value to the uh, adult nutrition world, sports nutrition. Besides that, we have a lot of unique fractions for uh, for medical nutrition and infant nutrition too, that are isolated out from way with more sophisticated fractionation techniques. So, so why would you? Yeah. I, I have some questions
3: about like the the lineup earlier. But first off, why would you want to? Why would you want to go specifically for something like beta lactoglobulin, which we've covered in the past in a different context? We can get into that. But uh, what are the what are the benefits of removing all the other things? Like isn't isn't it better when it's all together like it is in nature?
1: So in reality, from a sports nutrition standpoint, it's going to be the amino acids. Um, so roughly 50, percent of whey protein is comprised of, we call it BLG, but beta-lactoglobulin. But with that, you're actually getting a much more pure source of protein, if you will. For example, we say WPI 90 a lot, which is 90% protein for whey protein isolate. A BLG is roughly 20 or 92 to 93%. So BLG 93%. Um, But of that, not only are you getting more protein in the the serving, you're actually going to get 45% more leucine, naturally occurring 40% more branched chain amino acids, and a 26% more essential amino acid content just compared to whey protein in all of its fractions. So just kind of put that into perspective, 20 grams of BLG is going to yield 3.2 grams of leucine which we all heard leucine is kind of the key to unlocking muscle protein synthesis,
0: recovery, protein synthesis, et cetera. So a lot of viewers are probably wondering if normal whey protein is 50% BLG. Like, what is the rest of that? Like a lot of consumers are finally trying to figure out like, this is how many grams of protein I have per day. So the thought that these grams of protein are now broken into like further things, like, like what, what is the rest of that? Could you quickly explain for viewers?
2: I'd like to do that. Yes. So, so, uh, I have to, uh. To do an analogy to Lego bricks, right? So, so you have to imagine that uh, uh, a drink with whey or powder is this stack of Lego figures, right? Each of the figures are actually individual proteins. So you have uh, red bricks that could be one protein, beta lactoglobulin that we talked about. We we talked about we have uh, blue bricks, yellow bricks, etc. Each of these are individual proteins, or the soup which I referred to. And the totality of that is, uh, you could say, a soup of proteins. The the dominant protein, as Preston mentioned, in, in uh, cheese whey or you know whey protein concentrates, are beta lactoglobulin. That's fifty percent. The remaining fifty percent is uh, a protein called CGMP, casein glycomacropeptide. Um, there's a protein called alpha lactalbumin as well. That's about 25 percent. Then we have minor whey proteins as the milk globulin membrane proteins. Um, there's a little bit of lactoferrin. So actually, if you start to interrogate what's in whey, you'll find more than 200 different proteins in different quantities, right? So uh, what Preston referred to is that we can pick those proteins out and enrich them. So imagine to have a whey protein concentrate or isolate where it's not only 50% of the total protein content, that's beta-electroglobulin. But it's basically 100%. Uh, we, we truly believe that this is a totally new innovation for uh, you know sports nutrition aficionados who want a much higher content of branched-chain amino acid during their training sessions for recovery, fast muscle synthesis, etc. And then there might be a, a time where you want high casein content, or you want uh, um, another wave fraction, you want hydrolysates, etc. So there's a a timing for everything, I believe, and there's a market for each of these fractions and unique whey proteins in in the adult nutrition world.
3: Okay, that's cool. And so I guess one thing to just kind of clarify, like when we're talking about protein that's labeled on a dietary supplement label is basically like nitrogen, stuff that has nitrogen in it, like per like our laws. So not all 20 grams of protein on one label are going to behave the same biochemically as 20 grams of protein on, on another label, such as like your BLG product, it seems like. Um, because you, I think you mentioned that out of 20 grams of that, you have like three grams of leucine in general. Uh, with a regular whey protein, 20 grams, I think it's going to be usually like a, a regular whey protein would be like 10% or so leucine, like somewhere between nine and 11% leucine. Whereas it seems like yours is a higher percentage uh, of leucine. So right. that, okay. So that, that's kind of a, a cool argument for the sports nutrition case of beta lactoglobulin. If you wanted to have like a very specific sports, sports centric kind of, uh, Kind of product there, right. um, okay. Cool. So, did you have
2: anything to say there, Jacob? Uh, no, Mike, you're right. And uh, and and what we'll see, and what's already happening now, is that uh, is that the, the the composition of the way used will be called out on the label, right? And there will be brands built around the the that story. And it's not only a whey protein concentrate or whey isolate, but you know we'll see uh, brands communicate that it's hydrolyzed, it's enriched in certain amino acids. It's enriched in certain proteins. You know, there's a lot to do in this uh, area. And uh, we'll see, uh, you know, in the coming months and years that uh, certain amino acids and proteins will be called out. And uh, I I actually think that we're just scratching the surface on what we can do is the surface on on what we can do. And there will be clinical trials. Uh, Brands will invest into it. Uh, There will be a lot more than just whey protein concentrates around composition and amino co- acid uh, content for sure to hit the market and consumers will dig into it and understand what we can truly do in in certain arenas, yeah. So uh, like younger meathead
0: Ben, his gears are turning in his head listening to this. Um, so for, for people who hear that, they think, oh, my, okay, like this 92% BLG has a higher amount of leucine. What if, you know, I drank that all the time instead of consuming other proteins? could you explain like, is this a, is this just like a sports type ingredient for for that? Or could people sustain their normal protein intake with just this BLG? There has to be other benefits to the other proteins, correct?
2: Correct, Ben. I think, you know, in general, if you eat a regular protein and you live a normal life, you're good, right? You have your daily intake of essential amino acids and, and, uh, and, and you're good. But If you do uh, elite uh, sports or have a exercise or uh, other kinds of sports, right, you might want to consider to uh, change your diet, right? And uh, BLG have been shown to give uh, fast recovery, uh, higher muscle synthesis, etc. So there will be a group of people who will start to use BLG as a supplement during their training sessions, and they're going to see benefits above using regular WPI. Um on a keto diet, it could be the way fat concentrate that Preston mentioned, uh, and so on and so forth. So, so uh, whether they will use only BLG for the training sessions or, you know, do uh, sessions with BLG and then regular WPI is maybe up to the consumer for now, right? Because we only have a few trials and a few uh, ev- uh, 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 less evidence, right? We don't have 10 clinical trials showing benefits there, but it might come, right? And then there will be groups of people who will uh, you know, use BLG hardcore, I'm sure, uh, because it will come forward as a new category in its own, but then sports nutrition in the coming years for sure, because now it's hitting the market and it's entirely novel. I say to tie into to
1: meathead, Ben, <laughs> the whole reason why people take protein, especially consistently throughout the day, is to spike that nitrogen and maintain positive, positive nitrogen for protein synthesis. So to kind of answer your question on would BLG sort of fill that void to make it easier, being that it is 3.2 grams per 20, as we mentioned, that is is roughly that threshold needed to, to support protein synthesis in the body. So by doing so, it actually can reduce that need for larger protein feeds or, or multiple scoops of protein consistently, or maybe that extra EAA or BCAA shake in between meals, because you are saturating the body with more leucine per feeding so your body's gonna be more, I guess, primed for that positive nitrogen.
0: Yeah, I'm already, so, uh, spoiler for everyone, at the Arnold, we got a box of goodies from you guys, and we got to try a lot of these uh, BLG products, also some foods, uh, maybe we'll get it to talking about as well. Uh, we, we got a little goodie box where we got to try a lot of stuff, but um, I'm already seeing a very interesting trend of these, the, the protein water or, and there's a, there's a few different skews that are clear ways that we'll be talking about, I think, over the next hour, but. Uh, I almost am starting to ask myself, like, why take EAA or BCAA products when if for for a lot of people, the flavor, that light, sweet, fruit, the, the, the less milky texture is a selling point for a lot of those things, like drinking during your workout. There, it seems to me like a lot of these clear ways, BLGs, whatever you're going to call them, or whatever the SKU is, that could take a lot of intra-workout uh, space in the market, I
1: see. I 100% agree with that, Ben, because think about the, uh, you go to any gym, any commercial gym and you walk around and you'll see whether it be a, a shaker cup, a bottle of water or a gallon with some sort of, well, not so much colored anymore, but something that they're drinking that's not water. And usually that is some sort of BCA or EAA because they're trying to flood their body with aminos to support anabolism, prevent muscle breakdown, whatever the case may be. And to your point with, uh, for example, our unique offering, the ISO water shake, it mixes and tastes just like a, an amino product, but Instead of five to 10 grams of aminos, you're actually getting up to 20 grams of just complete proteins. So yeah, to your point, is an amino acid needed when you can get the real thing and still have those great mouthwatering flavors, whether it be the sweet
0: or the the sour, whatever it may be, The I guess the future will tell. Yeah, that's a big question. I, I'm seeing, I mean, right next to your head uh, in your, your background video, like, you know, you see, you see a a pink liquid. I I immediately think, oh, that must be pre-workout or amino acids because proteins would never be pink. Uh, they're typically, you know, chocolate, vanilla, um, so on and so forth. But in the future, uh, I'm, I'm foreseeing a lot, a lot of that, uh, and, and we're already running a little project with flavoring that I'm sure we'll be talking about next month, but these flavors are, are very different and really accessible for a lot of people to get into. And to touch on
1: that, just one more, I guess, wrap up on the BLG. So what is actually behind me on this side, sorry, is actually a more refreshing BLG flavor. So that is actually the beta lactoglobulin behind me. So I believe that's the raspberry lime flavor that we toyed around with. So BLG that we mentioned and kind of touched on as being the amino acid powerhouse, it's not another chocolate and vanilla protein shake. It has that flexibility that you can go with acidic flavors like uh, limeades or lemonades, fruit punches, or you can go with more of the sweet flavors, mixed berry, watermelon, cucumber melon if you're feeling like you're at a spa. like You can really have a lot of fun with this and you can find a flavor that that meets your demand. And right now, depending on where everybody's at, I was just in Texas, I live in Florida, it's 110 degrees. I don't want to drink chocolate or vanilla Especially if you go for a run, but you throw a lemonade my way or a watermelon, that's something that you can drink after a workout, and it's refreshing and doesn't leave you needing some water.
3: So I do have some questions that I'll, I'll postpone to later about some of the more commodity stuff. So we're going down the the rabbit hole of a lot of these higher end clear proteins. There's already clear whey isolate on the market now, and. and uh, well, how are yours better? I have my opinions because I've tasted a zillion of my whole playlist on YouTube of of, of me tasting them. Um, but, like, how are yours different besides the BLG stuff? You, you, uh, yeah, besides BLG, I guess you could just explain both of them.
1: Yeah. So, and then Jacob, chime in as, as you can just tell me to be quiet if you want. But um, so, what do you see in the market in the clear space? Um, anything clear currently in the market is going to be one and the same. It's right now an acidified whey protein isolate. So that's why you tend to see the same flavors. Um, With an acidified WPI, that does give you a little bit of astringency because of the citric acid. However, where ours differs and it kind of gets back to being vertically aligned all the way from the cows, you're getting consistency on every batch. So we go through and we make sure that we we make the analysis and the spec grades and the purifications, everything in line to make sure that our clear proteins perform at their best. They go clear in solution. The astringency is minimized. Um, we even work with uh, an anti-foam company to make sure that the foam's knocked out to clean up that texture. So I would say it comes down to consistency in the protein, but also just that advanced R&D, which that's something Jacob could definitely talk on, but it's kind of making sure that that our protein Meets that certain quality spec that's needed to perform in a clear solution.
2: Uh, that's correct, Preston. And uh, yeah, this is uh, one of the, the clear proteins we're making. So this one has the same amount of protein as a, uh, you know, chocolate vanilla shake, basically.
3: He's holding up for those listening on audio feeds. He's holding up a drink that honestly looks
2: like a clear shaker cup. Of yeah, beer. yeah. It's completely it's like water, right? And and, um, as Bresen mentioned, it's definitely the full control of the value chain all the way from the farm to the dairies, which means that zero off notes, um, complete quality control, and it allows for for that uh, very pure, fine way come out that has the full clarity, great taste. We can do uh, low pH, neutral pH. The neutral pH is uh, tasting like water. I think we're the only one doing it today. It's uh, completely unique and it opens up a completely new flavor universe with fruits, herbs, um, yeah, endless opportunities, right? Uh, That goes way beyond the more milky flavors that we all know today. Um, And that is very unique to olive foods. Um, We will also see other innovations come within this space soon. So So, uh, that is one of the... You could say strength that we have in AFI is that we really master this clear space and we're really putting the limits all the time uh, on on uh, new proteins and fractions within this for RTDs, but also for ready-to-mix shakes, protein shakes. RTDs. Okay. to drinks, yeah.
1: And circling back, Mike, you asked what the difference between the clears and the market. And that kind of, Jacob touched on leading into the next point with the, the neutral pH. There is nothing like that. Our foods ingredients were the only one doing that type of clear protein, both for beverage and for powders. And that's the one that it tastes like flavored water. There's zero protein off notes. There's zero protein mouthfeel or texture, no astringency. Um, It tastes like you were to, to lightly flavor water and that's all you're drinking. So to be completely honest, when I first tried it, I thought I was being like hazed because I was the new guy and I was just drinking like flavored water but it was 20 grams of protein.
0: That's awesome. I almost
1: yeah, wonder... That's, we're,
3: that's we're... what the impression was. So over the time, these other clear uh, proteins have gotten better, and I've commented on that a lot, but there is always going to be that tongue grip. I, honestly, I was asking you to define what astringency really means. You use the word probably more frequently than we do, but for me, it was the it was the mouth seal. Like, they got the flavors good. There's always a foaming issue, and they've kind of worked on that. There's ways of doing that, but then... Um, but then on the back end, it just dries your mouth hangs on a little bit too long. And, and I and then when I tasted uh, the watermelon sample of yours, I was like, oh, this tastes like BCA. You know, it's like this, you know, I, I almost didn't believe you. Like, kind of yeah. like gonna need to see a lab test. And so that's where I was very impressed and said, we're gonna have to like, we're gonna have to do some fun stuff together with this.
1: The astringency, Mike, astringency to me is it dries your mouth. And then after you're done drinking it, you need to drink a bottle of water to clean it so it's like cleansing your palate
3: yeah yep yeah. and that's that's kind of it and so yeah my trick to doing that would be to use more water than the company recommended but then if the flavor system is not strong yeah. enough you know it's watered down it's just it, it's not perfect and it seems like you have a solution that is potentially uh going to be be closer to that so i guess for the the customers out there listening there's kind of like two people listening formulators brand owners and you know people at gsc for instance but there's also customers who uh might want to try this. Are there any products on the market that like right now that are using that are using your protein that we can that they can like go look at right now? Or is this something that they'll have to subscribe to price?
1: Coming before? very soon. So depending on when you see this, I'll go right. and say yes. Um if if it's a recent one, keep an eye out in the next, I would say two to three weeks and you'll know.
3: Okay. So I'll just leave the- it up you will knows. Okay. So like hopefully September 2023. Excellent. Okay. So, so that's the clear. So is the BLG product clear as well? Is that?
1: Yeah. It goes both ways. Okay. So, well, actually it goes every way possible in powder. So you could in fact do it in a chocolate or a vanilla. Um, you would use the neutral, but then just like we mentioned uh, acidified whey protein isolate, which is the one that gives you a little bit of astringency. Um, and then also the neutral, which you mentioned the watermelon that the tricks like water the LG can go in both avenues of that as well. So you could do traditional milky, but it's really going to shine in the clear space and even the acidified, which again, stringency, very minimal to the point where it's really with the flavors, flavor system and flavor notes. It's non-existent, but it allows you to do those very acidic flavors, like your citrus notes and things like that. So yeah, goes clear. Um, By having both options, really any flavor is achievable.
3: Exciting. Okay, so I'm not sure if Ben has any more questions along this wavelength. Like, so we've we've mentioned with some of this with like BLG, uh, one of the other trends that we've had. This isn't dairy based as much, but like there's been a collagen trend out there. Are we if we're going higher after after more leucine, for instance, are are we going to be getting less of the amino acids that are sometimes in collagen? And is it like kind of recommended that people should continue to eat meat off the bone or like not just go all in on leucine? Obviously, there are other amino acids that are beneficial. Are, are Is the BLG product going to be lower in like the prolines and um and the other aminos that are like glycine and stuff that are, that are more rich in collagens? I mean,
1: it's still going to be now part of it to keep in mind. I mentioned WPI-90, what we're traditionally used to seeing on a label is considered 90% 90 protein or 90 per 100 grams. BLG is actually around the 92 to 93. So it's actually a higher yield. So 100 grams of BLG will actually yield that 92 to 93 grams of protein, if that makes sense. I know we're not going into the math lesson here, but (laughs) there's more protein per 100 grams in BLG, which does lead to a higher amino acid level um, Jacob, as far as like major differences on being lower, I don't believe there really is a significant drop in any noticeable amino. No.
2: No. Okay. So uh, for like, the- like- yeah, uh, Mike, I'd like to comment on your question because, um, uh, I think there's, uh, there's other fractions as well that we'll start to see in the market within sports nutrition. So, of course, we have collagen, uh, to me, that's that's also, you know, related with skin care and, and, you know, women eat collagen to, to, to basically have, have more beautiful skin and for skin care. And then it gives actually a cool texture in a lot of food products uh, together with whey proteins and others. So it has it has its benefits, right? But I would say, um, now we're talking about leucine, right? But there's 20 amino acids, right? And it's a 12 or so that are essential. We have another fraction, which is alpha-like albumin, so that's the product um, which regular way has about 20% of total protein as alpha-like albumin. We have fractions with very pure alpha-like albumin as well. And you could say, ideally, they were developed for infant nutrition, but we're taking it to the adult nutrition and sports nutrition world too, because what's really cool about this protein fraction is that it is enriched in aromatic amino acids. Now, that's something different than branched-chain amino acids, but there's not a lot of ar- aromatic amino acid in any foods or in whey, but it's particularly enriched in alpha-albumin protein. And that is, for example, uh, tryptophan. Uh, it's histidine, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and why is this important? Well, the ar- ar- aromatic amino acids uh, cross the blood-brain barrier when they're taken into the body, and then they're used as precursors for serotonin production, and that is a very important, uh, you know, um, uh, molecule in the brain that regulates mood. It suppresses anxiety, it reduces the stress response, etc. So if uh, if you are uh, preparing for a exam or you know you're um, uh, exercising a lot, etc., and you want a protein that actually supports your mental health, you need aromatic amino acids, right? So there, alpha comes into the picture. So if we start to look at the breakdown of individual mm-hmm. proteins, in way actually they are... You have aromatic amino acids with alpha-like albumin. You have branched-chain amino acids with beta-lactogeopilin. One is muscle synthesis. The other one is brain or mental support. Each of these fractions can have a, a relevance. Obviously, mental health is maybe not top mm-hmm. of the agenda for standard sports nutrition exercises. But actually, we'll see it hit the convenience store. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it will have uh, soon also a relevance in this industry because we have uh, studies undergoing and there are already indications that alpha-like albumin can have a, a big relevance also to adults besides infants. Wow. So, yeah, you could like start
3: formulating a, a happy protein, a happy weight protein. is going to be heavier or all like alpha lactal globulin, is what it sounds right. like. Right. So, so, interesting. So, so,
2: yeah, so we are talking here about actually whey proteins that have supplement, actually additional benefits beyond just protein, right? Specific amino acids in this case. We could also talk about phospholipids or dairy fats. That's another, another arena, right? So this is sort of digging into the wonders of whey because they have all these benefits that has been perfected by evolution through thousands of years. And we're just starting now to see how they can uh, improve actually human nutrition, adult nutrition. So, okay,
0: uh, you said something earlier, and I think that I, I'm betting there's a lot of people wondering because you said something that okay. there's, there's a few uh, few facts that people know um, in, the, in science, and, and we've, we've been drilled a
2: lot, is that there's nine essential amino acids, but you said there's 12. Are you... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sort of saying twelve nine, ballpark uh, figure. So what, I, what's the l- number? What's the number, Ben?
0: <laughs> well, no, I'm just curious because I know there's also conditionally essential amino acids. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Like, are, are there are there other ones that you think of? Or I'm, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I'm just curious because you're the you're the way guy. So I assume you
2: might know something yeah, yeah. we don't talk about well, frequently. Well, it's a uh, it's it's approximately half of them. I just can't remember it's if it's uh, eight, nine, 10, or eleven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Yeah. So, the essential amino acids are the amino acids we need to get through the diet, right? Which the body cannot, you know, produce uh, on its own, right? Through uh, through the diet, right? That's the essential ones, right? Okay, okay, okay.
3: Right. Yeah. I guess my argument there probably are more than just like so. There's nine that the body simply cannot endogenously produce, but the, I, my argument as our food supply has gotten worse and worse over time is that we probably there's more amino acids that we probably have become like more conditional or more, I guess, more essential from being conditional because we're simply just not getting enough, like for instance, glycine again or whatever. Like that's why I think a lot of people have fallen in love with the collagens because we're no longer eating like meat off the bone as much. And so there's, there are certain things that do need to get supplemented more. So the the number might actually like in a real world setting, be closer to 12 where there's, there's more amino acids that some people simply aren't, aren't getting enough of. Um, Okay, cool. Th- well, thanks for answering that. Yeah, we were kind of wondering there in the background. Um, so I, this is I, interesting. Can I ask, from just
0: from a manufacturing production uh, standpoint, when you're uh, producing the, like the specific protein, this BLG, are you taking normal whey protein and extracting that? Are you producing it like, like mechanistically? Are you ending up with a whole bunch of other stuff that is left over after you take this out of whey protein? Can you give us a little bit of look at the manufacturing of it?
2: Yeah, so so basically, when you when you separate things, you're always gonna have uh, a new stream, right? Then you separate that, you go from one to two to four to eight, right? Uh, you can recombine, and um, it's a big puzzle, right? And um, we've been perfecting that in our plant over many many years, and that's our key technology and our know-how. It is how to, you know, valorize all of the way, right? But it's true, Ben, that uh, of course when we start to uh, split it into different uh, uh, streams and fractions, uh, we also complicate things, and that that actually that's also what why I think a lot of dairies are you know slow at innovating because what do we do with the rest, right? We need to find a home for it. Mm-hmm. We need to look into the benefits. Uh, so what's really cool about AFI is the size. So the size. So all of food ingredients. We're so big, we have so many lines um, and uh, industries, that we're really good at uh, finding avenues on where the different streams can go, allowing for innovation to go fast, and allowing us to take uh, good decisions on how to scale up and put in new lines. So you could say that's one of the benefits of, of being uh, a big sized company, right? You're, you're able to make that work across supply chain between commercial and R&D. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because you, know, you were talking about how these alpha proteins can may have more uh, mental benefits. And so I imagine when you're extracting all of the beta-lactoglobulin, you're left with this other stuff, and now you're finding benefits for that. When you take out this BLG, are you able
2: to use that rest of the... Like, are, like, are those other things still in there? Yeah, we have there? to. We have to, because okay. it's all it's all uh, worthy and it's all valuable, right? But what you could say, uh, no one wants BLG in, uh, in infant nutrition, because there's no beta-lactoglobulin in, in human milk. So actually for infant nutrition or infant formulae, we want to take away the BLG and then we want to use it for adult nutrition because it's a key molecule for muscle synthesis. Um and and yeah the list is long on where we can you know optimize and use all these different proteins but hey it's it's a uh, it's it's complicated and it's uh, something we're using a lot of time on and a lot of efforts but actually a lot of innovation is is something that happens together with customers and uh, academia and industries so over time we uh, have built this system where we can uh, utilize all the different waste streams and innovate at the same time so yeah it's pretty cool awesome so so
3: I, I i want to back things up a little bit and i'll get to where my point comes but beta lactoglobulin. When I first started researching this, I what I didn't realize is that it's like what's called like a major protein, and it's not like one molecule. Like uh, it's not like a molecule of leucine. It is, I guess. Like my first question is, can you kind of describe what what a major protein is? Is it just like kind of a clump of amino acids that are all together, or is it is it is the beta lactoglobulin kind of like a soup in in its own way? Um, are they like bound together within it, or Because I know like beta electrogobin, so like my, it's like a major protein that contains several different like amino acids with inside, with it inside. But I'm not really sure what the best definition of of a major protein
2: is. I can talk a bit about this, Preston. Um, Essentially, all proteins in all uh, living organisms are made up of uh, the same bunch of amino acids, right? And they are, they have the same overall. Um, composition in the sense that it's a 3D structure of amino acids that are linked together like like bets on a string, right? So you have to imagine that if you take a protein which is a 3D structure and you take it in at the very end, you sort of you can actually unfold it and then you get this very, very long string of bets on a string, each of these bits bit beats on the string, are individual amino acids that are linked to each other through a linkage, right? Uh, and then the first one can be alanine, then it can be glycine, tryptophan, histidine, etc. Et now if you let go of this string in water or inside the body, it's going to fold up onto a, a hardwired structure due to a lot of different interactions between these amino acids, electrostatic interaction, hydrogen bonds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then some proteins are very structured. Uh, some are uh, less structured or unfolded, right? Um, and each of these proteins, they have a function. Some proteins are enzymes, right? So they convert one chemical to other, another. Some proteins are structured. They sit uh, they're part of the skin and makes it uh, smooth. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So that's basically protein, right? So imagine you have those twenty units that can make up a protein. Depending on how you combine the units, you can have thousands of different kinds of proteins. So some proteins can have a high content of leucine, or a high content of alanine, or histidine, or uh, you know ar- aromatic amino acids. Uh, it all, its all dependent, actually, on the genetic code. So the DNA that's encoding that protein who tells the recipe for that protein. So there's no proteins that are similar. And their beta-electroglobulin is one protein, and then actually the proteins can sit together like in small, in, in, as, a, as a dimer, so they can sort of bind to each other. So fa- for example, casein, they are, it's different kinds of proteins that go together in a big globular structure. So in milk, it's a micelle or like a big bunch of proteins sitting together. So, uh, yeah, that's the different, you know, layers of how proteins are built up. That's okay. That's incredibly helpful. This that would have saved me literally like four hours of research.
3: <laughs> okay, um, good. Okay. So, the, yeah, the reason I was writing about beta-lactoglobulin is because there was <laughs> an article about, and you probably know about this, um, they took a genetically modified fungus and got the fungus to spew out what they said was identical to beta-lactoglobulin, but it didn't come from a cow. And so, between like the the GMO part of it and the part that it was basically like fungal excretions, um, I went on the record already on this podcast saying oh, that stuff's not allowed to enter my body. I prefer to stick to Mother Nature. But I'm kind of a. <laughs> if you have any commentary on such um, on such Frankenstein type foods, you you could feel free to to say speak about it. I I, I have a feeling you're more pro dairy yourselves, but. Preston
2: just sitting there smiling. Well, of course, we're pro-dairy, uh, and uh, uh, dairy is wonderful. There's a lot of proteins. We can uh, enrich them, scale them scale them up, isolate them, take take them to the market, right? Uh, so you're talking about uh, proteins that are artificially manufa- manufactured by, mm-hmm. let's say, yeast or bacteria. Um, this definitely has a relevance for the global food industry, and in the next 10, 20, 50 years, we're going to see a lot on that. Uh, it it has a relevance and, you know, human technology has come to a point where we're able to do this. If you think about diabetes, you know, and insulin, insulin is also a protein. It's a hormone that is manufactured exactly in that way. We took the gene for human insulin, put it into a yeast, expressed it, and now we can use it as a drug, right? So the pharmaceutical industry has been using those sophisticated techniques, techniques for doing artificial proteins. And now this has come to the food industry and the uh, future will show how big it will become. But it's there and we cannot look away from it. And it has a relevance and uh, we welcome that technology for sure. There will be uh, consumers out there that will be you know, willing to buy those kinds of proteins for sure. Uh, so I'm I'm mostly excited to see how how they can you know get through to the market, taking a regulatory compliance uh, into you know h- how are they gonna deal with uh, the FDA and regulatory compliance and what kind of studies do they need etc. Yeah, that's gonna be a long winding road for sure, but it's here and it will only become bigger for sure.
3: Question. Diplomatic answer. I I appreciate that. Um, (laughs) Okay, gotcha. I I think that's that's interesting. Um, And on that note, like, yeah, I think one of the things that I didn't personally like is how it's being called away. And just like how I I, and you're you're closer to this than I am, but I think that the dairy industry, at least in America, kind of failed when they allowed things. They didn't fight harder, maybe uh, allowing things like oat milk to be called milk, because in my opinion. It's really like oat juice, if anything. But I'm not sure if you have any opinions there. But in my opinion, personally, I think the dairy industry needs to protect like what is theirs, and and the and milk and whey I think are pretty well defined things that do not come out of fungus. That's my
2: that's my opinion, though. Mm. So if that's yeah. Yeah, uh, well, Mike, I, I agree. And, and uh, you know, there can be a political system that's trying to go against that. And we also talk about, uh, you know, uh, artificial meat. And, you know, w- what is it really? And is, is it a protected word? You know, is mm-hmm. it protected by origin and stuff? Um, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, cool. but innovating and, and leading the game. Maybe we don't worry too much about, uh, you know, uh, competition and alternate sources and stuff like that. Okay, cool. So
3: yeah, I wanted to rewind way back to the beginning. Um, we were talking about some of your different products in the like in the more in the commodity world. First off, I noticed that Preston didn't mention WPC thirty four. Do you even offer that? Is there, are there any benefits to having such a, a like the lower grade type of proteins? Um, I assume like they're they're cheaper and possibly can be made to taste really good. But it wasn't even like mentioned. So is that is that kind of like with the, the with labels becoming more and more openly disclosed? Have those Types of products gone
2: away a little bit more. Jacob, do we even have any use? You no, know, and and and, and yeah, I, I'd like to explain you why, Mike. Um, so when you manufacture cheese, you're gonna have a byproduct which is liquid that is called whey, right? That is mostly water. Uh, so what all whey manufacturers want to do is to start removing that water and then start to work with you know, the dry matter inside that water. That is essentially a lot of lactose, which is milk sugar, right? The carbohydrate, and then a little bit of protein and some minerals. Now, what whey manufacturers are doing is to separate the carbohydrate from the protein. So the whey protein needs to be separated uh, from the lactose or or milk sugar, right? Uh, If you just dried... The liquid whey, you will get whey powder, which is a commodity used for animal feed, and it actually has a lot of carbohydrate and a little bit of protein. Um, now, if you then start to remove uh, more and more carbohydrate, you might go to 34% protein. That is a WPC-34, which you mentioned, Mike. This ingredient still have a lot of lactose inside, so it's maybe not really relevant for sports nutrition, right? Because who, who wants to eat a WPC with the 60% carbohydrate, right? But it's actually very irrelevant for, for example, infant nutrition, because 50% of all infant formulas is lactose. Infants, they need and ingest a lot of lactose or milk sugar. It's their key source of energy. Uh, so a lot of the 34 that you see, or way whey protein concentrate 34 that you see out there in the market, is used for, um, for infant formula. So what we're doing in the Food Ingredients, we cannot afford to just dry it at that stage we need all the protein, so we essentially split all the protein and the lactose from each other, and then we only do high protein content isolates, um, and then we use all the carbohydrates as well for infant nutrition and um, and um, confectionery industry. So this basically means that we don't do 34 at all foods. We moved away from those commodities a long time ago.
3: Okay, thank you for the answer. I was also wondering where the where the the carbohydrates go. So that's kind of that uh, goes to infant Yep, Yeah. Yep. And confectionaries. That's cool. Yeah, no, no product wasted. So are there um do you have any branded like uh, let's just go back to like WPC eighty or, or for instance? Um if there are people out there who wanna try a protein out there that is reliably using your WPC eighty that comes from like a whiter cheese. Are there any, do you have like a branded ingredient or are there any companies out there that, that are willing to like state that they are using your protein consistently? We, we can, can actually exas- just, check just with the EDM label, you know? Yeah, we, we could definitely check
1: with some of our customers. And I mean, obviously this could be a, for a follow up where we could get you, okay. you in contact with the ones to promote it. But, um, obviously some, some brands like to keep things like their supplier and will not separate. Um, so we don't want to like just go on the record and say, Oh yeah, these guys, these guys are good. Um, so we, we can definitely get you ones that are that say, yeah, let's share it. Um, just, we want to get their blessing first.
3: Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. I was wondering if there was like a trademarked uh, ingredient that some people are using, but it it never seems like those worked out as well in the dairy industry. Like there was a couple like WPI 92s or so that I had written about forever ago and it just, they never stuck. So I I don't know, but yeah, it it would be cool to put that in the show notes.
1: Yeah, for the, the future, just, um, and again, we, we always revisit this, but we kind of classify all of our health and performance or sports nutrition products with the the word LAC-Protan. uh There's a whole meaning behind it. We won't get into it. But there are some brands that are looking to include that onto their their labeling and marketing in the future. So just keep in the back of your mind, if you see LackProtan on any product, that will be a representation of our food's ingredients
0: in one of our proteins.
1: Can you spell that real quick? I mean- L-A-C-P-R-O-D-A-N.
0: Right behind pressing
2: on video if you're watching. And it's short no. for lactose and protein Denmark. Yeah. Ah, there we go. Next I have it. It. But I would say if you're a consumer, you know, and you want to try these products, um, there's a lot that's going to hit the market. soon. just be on the lookout for clear whey powder, uh, whey protein concentrate, right? So uh, a, a, a protein shake with clear protein, or protein shake uh, that tastes like water with fruity flavors and BLG, then you're on a good track, and then there's a high likelihood that it will be a protein from our company.
1: Okay, cool. in BLG in particular, if it, if it's a pure beta-electroglobulin that's milk-based, not fermentation, um, there's about a 99.9% chance that it's ours. Because gotcha. no one else is doing BLG, but you never know... Things happen and people mislabel things. So
3: excellent. So yeah, what we could do is we'll have um honestly, yeah, I'm not sure how you want us to represent you in our system. We could have like price on slash Arla foods, or I'm not sure what you want the brand name to be, but we can have we could have people sign up to the alerts on that and then we'll aggregate all of our news and anytime we tag an article or a video, we could have people, you know, see that it is based on your stuff. So yeah. including this podcast. So what we call it Arla Foods. Arla Foods ingredients? Okay, excellent. Yeah, we'll set that up, and then I'll have that in the show notes as well. So um, I don't like have any other specific dairy. I, actually, I do, if you don't mind. Um, one of the things that we've cited recently, we, we talked a lot about the whey side of things, but there are there is some research out there on like milk proteins in general, combining the wheys and casein's to get that thicker mouthfeel, possibly like a more you know the whey brings the faster amino acids spike, the casein brings the, the slower amino acid trickle, as well. Like, do you have any? Um, Do you have any milk protein ingredients like that? Or are you mostly sticking with the whey side of things?
1: So traditionally whey. So as far as milk protein, like a milk protein concentrate or milk protein iso, we do not. However, we just, oh, commercially within the past year or so, um, have brought a micellar casein to the market. So very unique thing about it though, significantly lower lactose than the typical micellar on the market. So I believe it's one, just over 1%. Whereas a lot of, a lot of people don't do micellar products because of that, the lactose in there it can really tear up the stomach being milk-based. Um, so we, we call it them pure. So we have uh, a version that's just standard that can be used in beverages or food, protein bars, et cetera. Um, and then we do offer a instantized with sunflower for, for those that are concerned um, that goes into a ready to mix and. I believe you guys might have tried some of our, our concept samples of it. Um, I know you tried the beverage, the salted caramel. Um, but the the unique thing about the ready-to-mix is when, when people hear Meissler, they automatically think like sludge, grainy, doesn't mix all the way, you're chewing it. So the Meissle Pure, it's a much finer mixability powder. So yes, you do still get a little bit of that grit and graininess because of the micelles. But it's actually very drinkable um, and does a great job on, obviously, appetite, satiety because it is slow digesting. But uh, it's got a very clean, milky flavor to it. And it doesn't leave you with that that off note, especially in a beverage that a lot of caseinates do. Mm -hmm. And exciting news, we just got, I think, last week. So we have our conventional micellar. And then we also offer a uh, non-GMO
3: project verified version as well. Very cool. And so, what can you can you spell it again? Yeah, the, was it like Mycel Pure or something like that? Or yeah, it's just M I C E L P U R E Mycel Pure. Okay, gotcha. That'll that's helpful. Okay, well, I, that's the most I have though. We have some fun stuff coming up. Can we tease it right here, talking about some of our our flavoring competitions? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, Ben, do you want to like introduce what we're 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 gonna be doing here? Sure.
0: So, okay, so we have. Um... Over the last couple of years, uh, we made friends with a lot of different manufacturers and flavor houses, and every here and there, we talk to brands about how well things can be flavored. Sometimes they can be flavored well, sometimes they can't be flavored well. But uh, as we've got into the Clearway, uh, you know, we've seen some brands come out with foamy ones. We've seen some ones come out a little bit like uh, heavier and thicker, and we wanted to have a little bit of a competition between all of our friends. So we have had Arla ship out uh, samples of their clear way to, I think, four major friends of ours that are manufacturers that do really great flavors. Uh, and we're going to be having a competition where we bring in a bunch of super consumers to taste these. They're going to be completely unreleased flavors. And we're going to name who made the best flavor uh, online. And so <laughs> uh, I'm really kind of excited to to share this with everyone. This is going to be a look into the future of the industry because I think Clearways are going to be really big in the next year. Um, I'm not sure, like, really what we could tell about it but Yeah, yeah which which protein are we using for this let's talk about like you know like maybe like the like what it is and what we're expecting so it's going to be the iso water shake so
1: um which kind of getting back to simplify it current market is acidified whey protein isolate which we also offer but this is going to be the the neutral ph range so it's the one unique darla foods ingredients so in all actuality in all reality those super testers or whatever you called them uh they are going to be getting access to something that the consumer just hasn't tried. It's going to be a completely different experience in the realm of protein shakes. Cool.
2: I'm super excited about, about this approach, Mike and Ben. And I think, uh, of course, we, we've we been testing it in the market now for for a short time, also with, with some of your friends and some of our friends too. Um, uh, I haven't seen in consumers a lot uh, how they react on it. So that is going to be really exciting. And what I saw was uh, different kinds of facial expressions that I <laughs> haven't seen for a long time, like this is groundbreaking, this is new, w- what did you do? So I look forward to see how your panel is going to react on, on these new flavors, because I truly think that there's a uncovered need there for um, an indulgent moment in the ready-to-mix space with all these new flavors and the, you know say, say goodbye to the taste of protein. And uh, hopefully, you'll be uncovering that moment uh, in uh, in this session coming up. So, that's going to be really cool. Right. So, that,
3: that'll that be in a future episode that we'll post here, but it's going to be recorded on the Price Law Discord. So, people can probably, we might be able just to do that live and just see, have some fun with it. Um, this is, it's kind of a first for Price Ball, So, we'll see how it goes. There's going to be some logistics and coordination, but we're going to have to get a bunch of people, a bunch of samples. And some of the manufacturers asked, like, what flavor should we do? And I said, do whatever you think is fun. Like I, I like total creativity. It could be a crazy zany flavor or they could just, you know, go, you know, with the standard fruit punch that they just know is no is going to be great. Right. We don't know what they're going to do. So we, we have at least three manufacturers signed up. Um, it could be cool to get a flavor house involved too, even though that might not even be fair. I'm not sure. But the, the people that are going to be doing the contest, I'm not sure if we want to like, you know, throw them under the bus and tell who it is going to be, um, just yet, but they are, they've received the product and they are, already very well aware of like some of the ins and outs of how to flavor this and you know there there are new, i think a president suggested like what additional ingredients work well but they can do whatever they want really there's no yep. rules so if they want to give us black licorice flavor they can do that <laughs> wouldn't recommend it though um
2: so yeah, yeah
1: maybe you would love that black licorice is popular over there oh yeah <laughs>
3: So that's about it. So yeah, that's all stuff that we can stay stay tuned on the press Ball uh, podcast and the press on Discord and everything. Uh, thank you for giving us some of that education. That kind of closed up a lot of the gaps that I had um, with some of the dairy industry side of things, as well as getting into some of these proteins. But a lot of times we have talked about like how there isn't that much innovation. I think Ben's gone on the record saying there's not always that much innovation in protein, and I guess it's in a way it's it's wrong. It's just that we needed a company like yourselves that's. To drive that forward and everything, so I'm I'm happy that you're here doing that because you know there there are these commodity ingredients, and it's clear that you're going in a direction that is you know more clear and more innovative. So it's it's exciting to see, and we'll hopefully have some fun stuff to taste pretty soon. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Thank you guys for the education. I think that a lot of people are going to get really into protein. I mean, we all consume it already, but not a lot of people uh, pay attention to the details of it. I think.
3: Super great. Well, thanks for joining us, gentlemen. Thank you both.